to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you're tuning in for our annual summer series at the movies, where we explore the spiritual truths behind some of Hollywood's biggest hits. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Happy summer, everybody. Welcome to church. Hey, can I start with a confession? I feel the need, the need for everybody. Speed. Oh, you know it. Hey, welcome to Liquid. I'm Pastor Tim, and so glad you're here for our summer series at the movies. And it is no secret, I am a major movie buff. In fact, it's not just the popcorn. In college, I actually majored in English, but I had a minor in film studies. So I spent my senior year working in the screenwriting department of a Hollywood studio in Burbank, California. So movies are kind of a passion for me because I just feel like there's something about the, the stories that we tell, the series that we binge, that can reveal deeper truths about the human heart. And, and that's really what this series at the movies is all about. For the next four weeks, we're going to have some popcorn together in church and look at four Hollywood hits, really exploring the deeper spiritual truths found in each film. And today, I'm so excited. Today is the kickoff with my favorite movie of the year, Top Gun Maverick. Quick show of hands. Who has seen Maverick in the movies? Raise your hand if you've seen it, okay? If you, if you haven't, why are you sinning like that? Get thyself to a theater, man. Come on. Maverick is the highly anticipated sequel to the original Top Gun shot way back in 1986. Now, I was in high school. Some of you weren't even born yet, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying, all right? It is about an elite team of Navy fighter pilots. They're in the air combat school known as Top Gun. And Tom Cruise kind of introduced us to this, this fascinating world of, of brash pilots, big egos, romance, and aerial combat. Now, the original Top Gun from 1986 was iconic. I mean, who can forget Tom Cruise's cocky smile, his pretty boy rival Iceman played by Val Kilmer? and his lovable wingman, Goose. Just look at those young faces. It brings you right back to the highway, the highway to the danger zone. Kenny Loggins brings back all the feels for me. Now, for all the, the Zoomers who missed the greatest decade in history, that is the 80s, uh, this was peak Tom Cruise, okay? Actually, this is before Mission Impossible, A Few Good Men, Jerry Maguire. But right now, our culture seems to crave nostalgia, right? We love sequels. But let's just be honest, okay? Actors get older. Time takes its toll on all of us. I mean, Maverick takes place 30 years later. Have you seen some of the stars from the original then and now? Here's Anthony Edwards, then 
and now. It looks like Goose got cooked there, okay? That's just <laughs> Val, Val Kilmer, then and now. It looks like Iceman is melting. What happened? Kelly McGillis, then and now. My wife said, make no jokes. Just, just keep going. Tim Robbins, then and now. Tom Skerritt, then and now. Highway to the retirement home. But not for Tom Cruise. Somehow, the biggest movie star in the world, who grew up in Glenridge, New Jersey, by the way. Hello. He channeled the fountain of youth and looks untouched by time. I mean, guys, this is 36 years later. So when the movie opens, Maverick is a little bit older. He's never married. He has no kids. And he's still test flying fighter jets out in the Mojave Desert until he's summoned for a special mission. He has to train a new generation of pilots. But the question is, is Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell too old for the job? Is he over the hill? Guys, grab some popcorn, sit back and enjoy. Here's Maverick 2022. 30 plus years of service. Combat medals, citations. Only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Yet you can't get a promotion, you won't retire. Despite your best efforts, you refuse to die. should be at least a two-star admiral by now. Yet here you are. Captain. Why is that? It's one of life's mysteries, sir. inevitable, Maverick. Your kind is headed for extinction. Maybe so, sir. But not today. It's inevitable, Maverick. Your type is headed for extinction. Maybe so, sir. But not today. <laughs> today is right. Maverick broke the box office this summer. It earned a record $1.3 billion worldwide. It is a pulse-pounding thriller. Personally, I've seen it three times. Can I be honest? Don't judge me. Stop judging Pharisees. I saw it one time with my buddies, once with my family, and then once in surround sound IMAX. Can I tell you, when those jets fly by in the big screen in Dolby surround sound, it's like, it like rattles your teeth. It literally shakes the seat. It is a movie designed to be seen on the big screen, not streamed. So it really hits on these bigger, epic themes of love and honor, courage, bravery, sacrifice. 
but it's not without conflict. So let me set this up for you, okay? And then we're going to connect it to Scripture. As a movie opens, Maverick is informed that he's been tasked with leading this top-secret mission into enemy territory to blow up this underground nuclear enrichment facility. Only there's a twist. His role on the mission is not to fly it, it's to teach it to the next generation of young elite fighter pilots. Here's who they are. What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they gonna get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage the expectations. Captain speaking. And we're off. Here we go. In three, two, one. Rooster, Phoenix, Payback, Fanboy, Hangman, Maverick's mission is straightforward. Train these new young guns, these hotshot pilots, for a live-or-die mission. But the stakes are raised by a second twist. One of the young pilots is a young man named Rooster, who is the son of Maverick's old wingman, Goose, who died in a training accident with Maverick in the original. So 30 years ago, Maverick struggled to keep his ego in check. He doesn't like following the rules. He lost control of his F-14 in jet wash. And Maverick and Goose both ejected, and they parachute into the ocean but Goose never made it. He broke his neck, died instantly. And so Maverick has all this guilt, all this remorse for 30 years about losing his wingman Goose in a plane that he was piloting. He's grief-stricken. He blames himself for Goose's death. So understand something. Maverick's ego actually played a part in killing his best friend. So 30 years later, the chickens now come home to roost. Get it? Goose's son, Rooster, played by Miles Teller. All the ladies take a deep breath. <gasps> he is part of the team Maverick has to train. So understand there's instant tension now. Rooster resents Maverick for delaying his entry into the Naval Academy, even though, unbeknownst to Rooster, it was actually his mother's dying wish. So Maverick's trying to protect him. So there's this estranged relationship between two people, Maverick and Rooster, and you feel the tension. Watch this. Rooster, where are you? Hang in there. All right, let's go. Rooster is the son of Goose, who is Maverick's wingman in the first Top Gun. I got your back. There's been some complicated history between Rooster and, and Maverick. My dad believed in you. I'm not going to make the same mistake. He's an extremely intelligent and talented pilot. Jeez, Rooster, not that fast. But he has a lot to learn. Forget the book. Trust your instincts. So Rooster learns to test his own limits. Show me what you're made of. Fight on! We are cleared into the area. Verify cameras are on. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. 
Here comes some G's. There's five G's. Seven G's. By the way, for all you movie geeks, Tom Cruise insisted that all the actors fly in actual F-18. So there's no CGI, no green screen. All the actors took flight lessons, G-force training sets. Really incredible to watch. But the tension at the center of this story revolves around this, this broken relationship between Rooster and Maverick. They've got beef. Rooster has this grudge against Maverick for his father's death. And there's, there's a lot of heartache going both ways. And so let me just kind of ask you for just a minute as you think about your life story. Is there somebody in your life, maybe from your past, that you still have a grudge against? You know, maybe they hurt you or they let you down. Maybe, maybe they were once a, a close friend, like a wingman, you know, or a family member. And you were tight, but something happened. And now, now there's, there's all this tension. Like you talk, but it feels like a dogfight or... Or maybe there was an accident like Goose and Maverick. Something tragic happened, and, and now there's all this, this pain and heartache. You know, I talk to a lot of people as a pastor, and I, I feel like it's holy ground when they share their pains and their stories. And, and I was talking with a friend this week, and his marriage is it's kind of coming apart right now. It's very tragic. And he's about to lose his wingman, his, his wife. And man, that is, whew, that's, that is a bitter pill to swallow. I mean, even for guys like, like Maverick, man, right? We love to pride ourselves on courage and resilience. It's hard to let go of heartache. And our first cinematic truth that echoes scripture is this. The truth is, you can't fly forward if you're tied to the past. Like, we all have these things in our life story that we wish didn't happen. A relational smash-up, a, a marital breakdown, abuse, a, college, a colleague maybe at work who you were, you were once close to, but now you're like not even talking. Or maybe it's family dysfunction, right? They, remember, they did that thing during the pandemic, or they said something that was hurtful, and now you're like not talking. Or if you are, there's all this tension on the surface, and it's awkward when you see them, but, and you like look at your kids, and you're like, is this, is this going to carry over to the next generation? The truth is, you can't fly forward when you're tied to the past. Or as the Word of God puts it in Isaiah chapter 43, God says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the, what's it say, church? Don't dwell on the, the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? You can't see it? God says, I'm making a way in the wilderness. I'm making streams in the wasteland. In other words, the God of the Bible, the author of your story, is all about restoration. He's all about renewal. Even where there's been significant hurt or heartache in a relationship, God says, hey, if you're willing, I can help you forget the former things. Don't let the pain of your past have power over you right now in the present. With God's help, I can help you fly forward to a new future. So God's all about new beginnings, but you have to be willing to let go and let Christ renew you with his love and his forgiveness. Unfortunately, Maverick has a hard time letting go. He's kind of haunted by the lingering ghost of Goose's death, he can't seem to reconcile with the rooster. And in the movie, there's this very powerful scene when Iceman, you know, played by Val Kilmer, by the way, who has throat cancer in real life, can't speak. And so in the movie, he types a message to Maverick with just five words. He says, it's time to let go. Now, you don't see Tom Cruise cry very much in movies, but his, his eyes well up with tears and he stammers. He says, I, I don't know how. It's this powerful moment because 
We've all been there, right? Like, I mean, I know I have. Probably the biggest heartache of my adult life was with one of my best friends named Tom. Some of you know Pastor Tom. He, he was my first preaching partner here at Liquid way back in like 2010. And we had so much in common. We both grew up in New Jersey. Both have these kind of big personalities. We love to laugh. We're on a reality show together. And, and Tom was more than like a ministry partner. He was a best friend to me. So I was shocked when after seven years working side by side, my wingman, he told me he was moving to California to take a position at another church. And I'll just be honest, I was like totally blindsided. It felt like a punch, you know, to my gut. Now, I said all the right things, all the polite things you're supposed to say. I said, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'm so happy for you. You know, what an opportunity. But can I be honest? I, I, was, I was just heartbroken inside because it felt like he was bailing on our friendship, like he was hitting the eject button. And it felt very personal. It felt very painful to me, like he was actually choosing someone else over me. And I remember at home in our kitchen talking to my wife, I actually cried as I was telling her about it. And she said, Tim, I've never actually seen you weep before. I've seen you cry, but not like weep. Like you ever have a heartache that goes deep like that? Learning to let go is a prerequisite for moving forward. If you don't, you'll stay stuck. But like Maverick said, most of us don't know how. How do you let go of a heartache? Let me tell you today, you've got your own story. God's writing your script. But if you're holding on to some hurt or, or maybe even you are flying through some turbulence right now in a relationship, I want to teach you three things today. Jesus is going to teach us three things to help you let go and fly forward. Now, I'm going to warn you, these are not for novice pilots, okay? If you're a new believer or you're cynical about Christianity, this is going to seem impossible. But if you want to become an ace, you know what an ace pilot is, by the way, what an ace is? An ACE, a flying ace is actually a military pilot who's credited with shooting down five or more enemy planes during aerial combat. And at the end of the movie, Maverick becomes an ace. But if you want to become a relationship ace, I'm talking about the few, the proud, the emotionally healthy and mature Christians who God uses, these are three Top Gun maneuvers you have to learn from Jesus in Matthew, they spell ace, A-C-E. Here's what Jesus said to his young apprentices in Matthew 5. Let's read the scripture together. Ready, church? All our campuses, big, loud voice. Here we go. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and what? Hate your enemy. We all got that. But I tell you, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I mean, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? And then Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And by the way, perf perfect there doesn't mean morally perfect. It means whole. Be complete. Be mature. Now, these are some of the most difficult commands Jesus ever gave. And they're not suggestions, by the way. They are commands. It's difficult to carry out orders, and it's difficult to understand what these mean. But all of us love our friends. But here's the challenge. If you live in the kingdom of Jesus, you follow the way of Jesus, the way of the cross, it means that you're supposed to love your enemies too. And you may think like Rooster, well, how, how am I supposed to love someone who's wounded me deeply? Or Maverick, how am I supposed to love somebody who hates my guts? Only gives me grief and heartache. 
So understand first what Jesus is not saying in this passage. When he says, love your enemies, he is not talking about some schmaltzy Valentine's Day kind of love. He's talking about a very unique, specific, ferocious kind of love that's called agape love. And if you're taking notes, that's the first A in ACE. You need to learn to agape love your enemies. Everyone say agape. Let me teach you a little Greek. I know a little Greek, by the way. He owns a diner down the street from me. Hey, hey, I'm waiting to use that for a little time. In the Bible, there's four Greek words for love. And I put these in your mobile app, by the way. The first love is the word storge. Say this one with me. I'll put them up. Storge. It's parental love. It's family love. Storge love is the love that a mom has for her kids or kids have for their dad or for brothers or sisters. That's storge love, family love. The other word for love is eros. And that's kind of romantic love. It's between a man and a woman. It's actually where we get the word erotic from. That's the second kind of Greek word for love. But the third kind of love is called Phileo love. Can you say that? Phileo love, and it means brotherly love. It's the bond between closest friends. Guys, that's why Philadelphia is called the city of what? Of brotherly love. You get it? Now, what's very interesting is that in Top Gun, Eros Phileo, these two kinds of love are spotlighted. Eros, of course, is the romantic love, which Tom Cruise shares with the Admiral's daughter, a woman named Penny played by Jennifer Connelly, right? Hollywood loves to, to spotlight erotic love at what gives the story this kind of, you know, sexual tension. And, and thankfully, by the way, parents, it was fairly tame in Top Gun 2, okay? A lot tamer than the original. But what most people love about Maverick is the phileo love. It's this brotherly love between the fighter pilots. It's like a brotherhood. It's like a sisterhood. You know, they live in close quarters. They train together. They're like a band of brothers. They, they bond over beach volleyball, and they have this, like, unbreakable bond, you know? We've got each other's backs in the sky. I'm depending on you. And each pilot has a wingman that, that they rely on. So there's this phileo love or bond between the pilots, and you often see that in the military, brotherly love. But the fourth kind of love that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew, the word he uses here, is the word agape. Say it again, agape. Look what it means. Invincible goodwill. Generosity kindness. I love this. Agape is this muscular, this fierce, this invincible goodwill. And Jesus says, you've heard it say, love your enemies or, or love your neighbors, hate your enemies. But I tell you, watch this, agape them, agape your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven. So agape is this very fierce, unconditional love. Listen, that God has for you. And it's the kind of love he wants you to have for your enemies. That's the A in ACE. If you want to be a relational ACE, you have to first A, learn to agape love your enemies. That's the word Jesus uses here. He's not saying love your enemies with storge. Don't love them the way you love your mom, your kids. He's not saying you need to love your enemies with phileo love like your best friend. He's not saying you got to cuddle up with them on the couch and watch Netflix together. That'd just be weird. He's not telling you to love them that way. He's saying, I want you to love them with agape love, this fierce benevolence and kindness and generosity, even when your heart doesn't feel like it. Notice Jesus does not say, I tell you, like your enemies. Because some of you are like, I don't like that guy. It's okay. He's not asking you to like him. He's saying, I want you to love them. I want you to show the love that God shows to you, compassion, forgiveness, even when they sin against you or break your heart. 
You know, the love that you and I have when we talk about love, right? We all think of our family members and our closest friends, and we're like, oh, I've good affections, you know, for Mike, he's a friend of mine, or Ben, you know, I feel love for them. Comes out of your heart. Agape love isn't like that. It's the opposite. Here's a secret. Agape love is this act of the will. It's an intentional decision that you say, I am actually going to be kind regardless of how I actually feel about that person. I'm going to treat them with invincible good will. I'm going to be kind to them, I'm going to be generous, and it's this mindset. I'm going to treat them with dignity and respect. Watch this, even if they don't deserve it. See, agape love does not flow out of your emotions. With the other three kinds of emotions, watch, the head just follows your heart. But with agape, it's the opposite. Your heart follows your head. You make a fierce decision first. You deliberately decide, I'm going to treat them in a kind way. And then over time, you find that your heart begins to follow your head. Now, in the movie... Rooster and Maverick have this climactic conflict where Rooster says, my dad trusted you, but I'm not going to make the same mistake. And maybe that's how you feel about that person in your life. You can see Maverick wince because it cuts straight to his heart. We're going into combat on a level no living pilot's ever seen. Not even him. You think up there you're dead. Believe me. My dad believed in you. I'm not gonna make the same mistake. Someone's not coming back from this. Those are your pilots. Anything happens to them. You'll never forgive yourself. No turning back now. Yet. It's funny to me that it's Penny, actually Maverick's girlfriend, who reminds him of the agape love. He says, those, she says, those are your pilots. If something happens to one of them, that is Rooster, you'll never forgive yourself. Now, you may wonder, like, well, you know, that's great in the world of fighter pilots, but like on a practical level, how do I love somebody who hurts me, or who scorns me. And Jesus says, well, he gives us an answer. You start by praying for them. Love your enemies, agape them. And then number two, he says, pray for those who persecute you. That's the second step to becoming an ace. You A, agape love your enemies, and then you C, you commit to pray for them. Pray for them. That means, yes, you pray for people who are actually mean to you. Now, to clarify, I'm not saying you pray that they get a flat tire. Okay, I'll pray for them. I pray they catch monkeypox. Okay, you're like, too soon. Okay, I just want to work with me. You actually pray for God to bless them. You pray for God to, to pour out his grace on their life. You pray for God to forgive them. You ask God to actually pour out blessing on their marriage, their family, whatever. You ask God to heal whatever it is in their heart that's causing them to act this way towards you or others. This is the second step. You see, you commit to pray for them. In fact, look what Jesus says in Luke 6. He says, bless those who curse you. So they're like, you no good son of a, you're like, man, you're awesome. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I ask for God's goodness for you. Pray for those who mistreat you on social media. What? Don't post about them. Pray for them. Yes. 
Prayer is the precursor to love. You know why? Because it's impossible to hate a man when you're praying for him. Do you know that? It's impossible to hate somebody when you're in the presence of God praying for them. Saying, God, bless her, pour out your favor, your abundance on their life. You bring them before the Lord and you ask the Lord to bless them. Again, I know some of you are looking at me like this. This is advanced training, okay? This is for relational aces only. Some of you want to hold on to your grudge and just go nurse it and put stuff on on the internet. That's fine. But if you want to truly be free, (laughs) when you pray for your enemy, let me tell you what happens. Two things can happen. One is that God can answer your prayer and actually change that person's heart. You know that? I've seen that. I see it all the time as a pastor. God can reach in and change the dials in that person's heart, no doubt. But listen, the second thing that's more likely to happen is that God will change you. He'll answer your prayer by starting to give you his heart for that person. In fact, that's a good way to pray. You say, Lord, you know what's going on in this relationship. Lord, I want to confess how I feel about them. This is what I feel. Some of my difficult emotions. I feel angry with them. I'm frustrated. It was unfair. I feel sad. It caused me heartache. I miss them. I feel grief. Those are all those difficult emotions we talked about in EHS. But God, I'm asking you, would you give me your heart for them? And as you pray that way, let me tell you, daily, consistently, God will impart something. He will actually begin to impart his heart for that person inside of you. That's what happened to my friend Tom. You know, after he moved to the West Coast, we lost touch for about a year. It was kind of, you know, these things don't happen all at once. He was starting a new chapter. And I was, I'll be honest, I was still kind of hurt. I was still kind of ticked. But I felt convicted by God to actually begin praying for him. He wasn't my enemy, but I just felt like, you know, I should, if I had these bad feelings, I should just start praying for the guy, you know? He's my close friend. He's my wingman. So I started praying daily for Tom, saying, God, would you bless him? Bless his socks off in his new role. Give him new opportunities he didn't have here. And I just started praying more and more. I, I prayed, would you bless his kids? Bless his marriage, Father. Expand his territory. I prayed for him almost every single day for several months. And you know what? God started changing my heart. <laughs> and I can tell you, God was probably doing something on his end because when he was visiting here, I said, hey, you want to get together? He's like, I was just tweeting you, or, or I was texting you to get together. And so we got together in this diner. You know, it's like, in, in New Jersey, when you get together with an enemy in a diner, you don't know what's going to happen. Okay? Hello? It was awkward at first. You look behind your shoulder. But you know what? As soon as we saw each other, there were this, this tears just came, just melting, and we just hugged and just hugged like two. We hugged it out in this diner, and there was not just forgiveness from both of us, because we both had some misunderstanding. It always takes two to tango. There was this sense of healing. You know why? Salt water's healing, man. And my brother is a lead pastor now, and our friendship, it's like stronger than ever. It's way stronger than it even was when we were together. We talk, we text all the time, we pray for each other as peers, we love each other's families. Even though we're on different coasts, we're still each other's wingmen. Now, I just want to tell you something. That doesn't happen overnight or with a magic wand. Praying for your enemies doesn't mean it all goes back to normal. But it means you treat them with this agape, this invincible goodwill And you truly hope for God's best for them. Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Why? Let's read it together. That you may be what? Sons of your Father in heaven. Now notice, Jesus isn't talking about salvation. He's talking about spiritual formation. He's saying, you want to be like your Father in heaven? Then love difficult people. 
You want to be more like Jesus? Love your enemies so that you can look like your Abba, your daddy in heaven. Can I ask you, is there family resemblance for you? You know, you'll hear people say like, oh, like father, like son, or the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Can I just ask, like, is there a family resemblance between you and your father in heaven? Does the way you treat your enemies remind people of your brother, Jesus? How does God treat his enemies? Jesus says, hey, where's my Bible? He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Come on, man. If you greet only your brothers, your besties, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? Eagles fans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And it means complete, whole, mature. In other words, grow up. God loves everyone, both the good and the bad, with agape love. Did you know something? God loves people who break his laws. And God loves people who break his heart. That's what sin is. It's not just breaking God's laws. It's breaking his heart. And maybe somebody's broken yours. You know, Iceman tells Maverick, you need to let go. He says, I I don't know how. How do I let go of the heartache? Well, A, you first agape love your enemies. C, you commit to pray for them. And then E, this is the hard one, you extend forgiveness. Ephesians 4, 32, let's read it together, church. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Everyone online type forgiveness in the chat. Forgiveness. It's the F word nobody likes to say. But let me ask this question. If you're a follower of Christ, you're a Christian, you're saved, or I'm in church, or I, you know, how exactly did Christ forgive you and me? And the answer is through this by sacrificing his life on a cross. See, true forgiveness always costs somebody something. Forgiveness says, I'm going to pay the price for their sin. Even though you hurt me, you don't owe me anything. I'm taking the hit. It's covered. You know, as a pastor, I hear people say things all the time like, well, Tim, I'll forgive them as soon as they apologize. Let me tell you something. That's not the way of the cross. The way of the cross says I forgive them before they apologize because the Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ, what? Hello? Died for us. He didn't wait for you to clean up your act and apologize to him. He died for you while we were actively sinning against him. So true forgiveness says, you know, I'm going to let it go whether they apologize or not. I refuse to carry that hurt into the future. The cross says with this agape sacrifice, it ends here, it ends now. And Jesus commands his followers, he says, I want you to pick up your cross and follow me. You know what that means? That means you have to be willing to forgive daily if you want to follow Jesus. Forgiveness is not this one and done, I forgive once or twice and then it's over. No, no, no. Forgiveness is a daily decision to choose agape love. Okay? Even if you don't feel like it, you make the decision, this fierce decision with your head, with your heart, I'm going to follow. I'm going to pick up my cross. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to lay down my life. I, I love how Buddy Owens put it. This is so good. I love this. He said, when you have a cross on your back, you don't have room for a chip on your shoulder. Hello, go ahead, take a screenshot, tweet it. That's it, man. In the final climax of the movie, Maverick is called to fly alongside Rooster. 
and all the other young pilots on this life-or-death mission to destroy the enemy nuclear reactor. And it's, it's very risky. They could crash into a mountain. They could be blown to bits by surface-to-air missiles or, or shot down by enemy fighters. And by the fi- time this final scene arrives, okay, let me just tell you, everyone in the theater is like, <gasps> like holding their breath, edge of the seat. And I'm not going to give away all the details. Go see it for yourself. But spoiler alert, <laughs> in that final scene, there are three stunning examples of agape love that leave the audience cheering. First, as they race to the target, the enemy locks on Rooster, and Maverick has a choice to make. Does he leave Rooster on his own or lay down his life? And at the last moment, Maverick steers his jet in front of the missile, and boom, he takes the hit, saving Rooster's life. Agape ace number one. After his plane gets shot down, he wakes up in a field with an attack helicopter about to take him out. And then just before he's killed, Rooster shows up and saves him. So you have a second agape act of sacrifice. They are about to escape back to the aircraft carrier when enemy fighters, fifth generation Terminators, close in on them. And they're about to be destroyed, but it's not the plane, it's the pilot. And just as they're about to be blown to bits, boom, Hangman sacrifices his own life to save Maverick and Rooster together. And all three land safely on the ship. They hug it out and Maverick says, thank you for saving me. And Rooster says, well, that's what my dad would have done. And it's a beautiful moment because it echoes back to the end of the first film that his father sadly wasn't there for. Again, you got to go see it. I don't want to spoil it all, but now you're like, I want to go to the movies after church, all right? In the end, it's amazing, but they say, Maverick, you're not just Top Gun, you're an ace. You shot down five enemy planes. But for our purposes, he's an ace in agape love because it's this powerful picture of self-sacrifice. Jesus said, you know what what agape love is? Greater agape has no one than this, that you would lay down one's life for one's friends. That's agape love. And friends, that is what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Even while you and I were still sinners, enemies of God, estranged from our Father in heaven, Christ came to earth, he laid down his life for you. That's agape. And when you trust in that sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, that was for me. You know what happens? Your relationship with God is restored. Restoration. You become Jesus' brother. You become part of God's eternal family. You know, we all want a wingman, right, who will never leave us or forsake us. And in Jesus, you have one. So here's my challenge to end, okay? I know some of you have been sitting there. Your popcorn's almost gone. And you've been like, man, you got up in my grill a little bit on this stuff, Tim. Because somebody came to your mind, right? As I've been talking, some hurt, some offense, some wound. Could be small, could be big, but someone's probably come to your mind. Maybe there's an enemy who's treated you unfairly. And so I want to leave you with a challenge. Ready for my challenge for you? Be gentle. For the next 30 days, let go of your grudge. Give it to Jesus. 30 days, that's all I'm asking. You make a decision that for the next 30 days, I'm going to be an ace. I'm going to let go of the hurt that this person inflicted on me, sacrifice for them, and ask Jesus for the strength to, A, I'm going to agape her and treat her with kindness and generosity, and even when I don't feel like it, invincible goodwill. I'm going to see, I'm going to commit to pray for them for 30 days. You pray for their blessing, for God to pour out his favor on their life. Even if you don't feel like it, remember, you can't hate a person when you're praying for them. And then E, in the next three days, you're actually going to reach out and extend forgiveness. Forgive as Christ forgave you. 
which is completely. It's repeatedly and it's instantly. Remember, I always tell you, forgiveness and trust are two different things. The Bible says forgiveness needs to be instant for a Christian. You forgive them. You let it go. But listen, trust has to be re-earned over time. So forgiving somebody doesn't mean you just jump right back in, let them hurt you again, nothing ever happened. No, no, no. Trust is lost in a second, but it's earned back over time. Forgiveness just says, I'm going to let go of the past because I don't want it to interfere with my future. At the end of those 30 days, you got a choice. You can step back into the past if you want and stay stuck there. Or you can fly forward and say, I'm going to do it for another 30 days. And another 30 days. And the day after that and the day after that because forgiveness is a lifestyle. It's this habit of picking up your cross and carrying it daily. Because when you have a cross on your back, you don't have room for a chip on your shoulder. Amen? So for 30 days, let's see it. Let go and watch what God does in your life, and may you become an agape ace for Christ. Amen? All our campuses, church online, let's pray together. Wherever you are, just close your eyes and bow your heads with me. We're just going to turn our hearts to prayer. And as we do, let me just ask you, did somebody come to mind as I've been talking? Someone you need to forgive? A heartache you need to let go of? Let this be your prayer. Father, you have promised in your word that when we forgive others who sin against us, You'll forgive us when we sin against you. So you just say right now, Lord, I need that kind of forgiveness. So right now, God, I release this person into your hands. I release them. And right now, wherever you are, just in the silence of your own prayer, just whisper their name to God. Just whisper their name. Tell God who it is. He knows. Say, Lord, I release. And just tell them the name. They don't owe me anything. And I'm asking in Jesus' name that you'll set me free from the bitterness I've been living in. Lord, I pray you'd help my brothers and sisters to just walk away from all of that into freedom and never look back. And Lord, today we commit to you for the next 30 days, we're letting go. Just say, I let go. But Jesus, we can't do it without you, so please help us. Help me to pray for them. Right now, I'm just aware that there's people here who have never given their life to Christ. And if you've never asked God to forgive your sins and make things right with him. Man, what are you waiting for? This is your moment. You can just pray this way in your own heart. Just say, God, I don't understand all of this, but I do know I really need you. I need you. I know I've offended you and I, I want to be forgiven. So I'm asking today, forgive me for the things I've done that have hurt you, that I've hurt other people. I've hurt myself. Lord, forgive me. You can say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me, and you're a forgiving God. So forgive my sins, heal my heart, come into my life, and make things right. Set me on the pathway to freedom. I give my life to you today, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said together, amen. Can we welcome new believers in the family of God? God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.